0: And we are joined here tonight by a great love of film and television trivia. Yes, uh, this is Matinee Minutia. We're not just an ordinary movie or TV podcast. This is all about what goes on behind the scenes. And tonight we have a special treat for you.
1: Can you remember every movie ever made?
2: Slime me.
3: <laughs> Refresh your memory at your local video store.
0: All right, folks. S- stay tuned and sit tight. The show's about to begin.
1: Woo, woo. Hey, it's Gertie. Right at the concession stands, you lucky people. Hey. Trivia buffs. Tonight, we've got a woman... Who's out of this world and she falls for the man who accidentally triggers the end of her world. This film stars Dan Aykroyd in only his second leading role and former model Kim Basinger. Grab yourself a sandwich, maybe a stiff drink you never know, (laughs) and grab a couple batteries. It's the 1988 romantic comedy, My Stepmother is an Alien. Ooh, Ooh, Hit it, boys!
0: What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen,
2: a pinch of the golden oldies,
0: in a smidgen of streaming, it's time for matinee minutia with your host DJ and Toppy. Good evening, fine folks at Univaz, and welcome to a very special episode tonight. Before your very eyes, we are about to give you our six-month potiversary episode. Yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that we would be around still for 12 episodes?
3: (laughs) I didn't know. I did not know. But thanks for everybody in the chat room for showing up every week. Um, Always good to have you here. Uh, DJ, as long as I'm talking about it, I'll just let everybody know we've got uh, Maren Gertz. That's the best way I know how to say it. Uh, We have Spanking B. Arthur. And we've got... Tommy
0: joining us. Excellent. So tonight, it's a very special time. And, uh, you know, uh, just around the corner, we have St. Patrick's Day. Now, uh, before we get started here, uh, Toppy, anything special about St. Patrick's Day for you? Or are you one that enjoyed the, the shamrock shakes growing up? No, but for
3: me, it's it's definitely a uh, uh, Corned beef, cabbage, potatoes,
0: and carrot night. Mm, okay, so just quick history lesson. Of course, these are things that we've come to associate with St. Patrick's Day and the Irish culture. But really, the uh, the corned beef and cabbage that was invented in in a New York deli. <laughs> in fact, uh, the first St. Patrick's Day parade wasn't even. Uh, celebrated in Ireland. No, uh, now Saint Patrick, he was a uh, he was a Catholic priest in the sixth century. So it's so about ten centuries later we have the first Saint Patrick's Day, and it takes place in New York City about just fourteen years before America declares independence from England. So we have uh-huh. Saint Patrick's Day just around the corner here. Now, uh, as uh, Gertie, our uh, Showgirl in her twilight, there was le- telling you folks tonight we're talking about a movie from 1988 and it stars Saturday Night Live's Dan Aykroyd and former model Kim Basinger, who would later be married to Alec Baldwin. Now, shall I go ahead and let you know what was going on in the world in 1988? Do it. Alrighty, So, in 60 seconds or so, uh, in 1988, Hustler versus Falwell. So, the, the Hustler adult magazine uh, had a lawsuit with Jerry Falwell. Uh, Supreme Court filed in favor of the publication in a $200,000 anti-defamation lawsuit. Sonny Bono is elected mayor of Palm Springs. U.S. Surgeon General C. Everett Koop states... Addictive properties of nicotine are similar to heroin and cocaine. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled police don't need a warrant to search trash. Hmm. Democratic National Convention announced then Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis as their presidential candidate for the upcoming election. Republicans nominate George Herbert Walker Bush, so George Sr., who we just recently lost, uh, as their candidate. And President Reagan calls for the demolition of the U.S. Embassy in Moscow due to a uh, supposition of listening devices on the premises. And uh, lastly, the first World's AIDS Day is observed in 1988. Wow. And uh, yes. So uh, in 1988, aside from My Stepmother in, is an Alien, which came out... In December of that year, some of the other films were uh, Rain Man, also Who Framed Roger Rabbit, there was Coming to America, Big, Twins, and then uh, some of my favorites were Beetlejuice, Scrooged with fellow Ghostbuster, Bill Murray, and then there was also Willow and Beaches with Bette Midler.
3: Mm. Uh uh-huh. That was such a sad story.
0: It was, and they just recently remade it. Uh, It was with a Broadway star that was in the the kind of Wizard of Oz story, Wicked, uh, playing, I think, Barbara Hershey's role, or or it might have been Bette Midler's part. But, you know, um, just like anything else, it's only a matter of time before it's remade. All right. And DJ uh, always saddens me at this point where he tells us who was born in
3: 1988. Go ahead. In
0: 1988, we had a few celebrities join our ranks. These are folks that have been making film and television and are the current stars in the headlines. So in 1988, we had daughter of Bruce Willis and Demi Moore... Their eldest child, Rumor Willis, joined us. We also have Emma Stone, and she's a lady that played uh, the love interest opposite Andrew Garfield in the Amazing Spider-Man films. character's name was Gwen Stacy. And we also have an actress who is uh, a Disney star. She was in High School Musical 3 and more recently Grease Live and Rent Live on Fox, Vanessa Hudgens. And those are the folks that joined us in the world in 1988.
3: So let's uh, just give them a brief
0: uh, recap of the
3: story. It's not too complicated. I'll read it, DJ. It's Steve Mills, who's played by Dan Aykroyd. He's a widower and kind of like some kind of wacky mad scientist radio astronomer. And he's struggling to succeed in both his career and in raising a little daughter. And he's a reluctant bachelor in the shadow of his playboy brother, played by John Lovitz, and a wonderful performance. And the prospects of finding love in the stars somehow seems mo- seems unlikely. Through a calamity of events, Dr. Mills Dan Aykroyd accomplishes just that he lures a supermodel alien from a distant civilization while simultaneously, unknowingly, triggering their demise. And the DJ, one of the first facts I think we both found out is that when this movie was pitched, it wasn't going to be a comedy. It was going to be a science fiction drama.
0: It was. In fact, uh, some of the information that's available about the beginnings of the story suggests that this is going to be a very different kind of story. And you can pick up on those notes if you watch some of the scenes between the stepmother as portrayed by Kim Basinger and the daughter. Now, this was supposedly written based upon an allegory of child abuse, And, of course, you can sort of pick up on that if you watch the scenes carefully, where the daughter is sort of feeling like she's losing control of the situation, and there's a new woman in her life, but no one believes her when she tries to tell them she's an alien. And, uh, DJ, why don't we play, so hit that clip five, DJ. Okay, clip number five.
1: Stephen Mills, research astronomer. Beautiful. Married to his work.
2: Ah!
3: Then one night, he sent a radar signal into another
1: galaxy. Now, they're sending someone back. If we don't get that transmission from him, our planet is doomed. Hi. Well, hi.
3: She's got 48 hours to save her civilization. Order.
2: And decipher ours.
1: Delicious. That was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen.
2: I must be boring the pants off you. No, they're still on. Good. We're making progress, sir.
3: She's never made love.
1: You're so stupid. We could have been doing this the whole time.
3: (laughs) We only
2: met three hours ago. And never made breakfast.
1: Daddy, don't you think this is pretty strange? Marry him. Where did she get a wedding dress on two hours' notice? Did she just carry one around with her in case of emergencies? Daddy, you married a person from another planet. Dan
2: Aykroyd. Your stepmother is not an alien. Tim Basinger. For
1: an astronomer, you have the most wonderful
2: fibers. And you got yourself a handful right now. <laughs>
3: John Lovitz. Baby! Ah! My Stepmother is an Alien, a comedy of cosmic proportions.
0: All right, that was the theatrical trailer. So in our cast, we have Mr. Dan Aykroyd, and he starred in five films the same year that My Stepmother is an Alien came out, 1988. He was a busy man. He sure was. It was Caddyshack 2 before and Ghostbusters 2 after this film and uh let's see uh dan accurate was born with complete heterochromia it's a technical term it's a medical term it's an it's a medical condition he has one blue eye and one green eye and often is asked to wear contact lenses to disguise that uh he was also a victim of syndicalism. it's a birth effect where several digits are fused together and i Think in this case it's his, it's his toes, so um, you know he doesn't have too many scenes where he's wearing sandals. If you know what I mean. Uh, ah! <laughs> Weird, and this is funny. Uh, in real life,
3: Dan Aykroyd s- supports muffin. Which is a
0: UFO study group. <laughs> Some pronounce it as MUFON, but yes. Ah! <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> he was once engaged to 80s celebrity. And one of our favorite actresses that we covered in an earlier episode about the movie Under the Rainbow, Carrie Fisher, he was engaged to her. I don't believe it. His grandfather and uh Dan Aykroyd is a is a man of of Canadian descent. He his grandfather was a Royal Canadian Mounted Police, so his grandpa was a mountie. Uh he learned to play the harmonica at 17, so you know add that to your resume of charm. Uh Jamie Lee Curtis once named him her best screen kisser. Uh they had three films together. He was considered for the role of the master which is a an evil villainous role in Doctor Who back in 96 so just before the show, the uh the British show went off the air and then uh in my stepmother is an alien or rather when my stepmother is an alien was released it was just 5 years after his first leading role which was in 1983's Doctor Detroit
3: oh good lord and of course as most people know he Began his career on TV uh, with Second City, and uh, most famously, he was in the first cast of Saturday Night Live.
0: Oh, yes, with uh, everybody under the sun that made a movie in the 80s, it seems. (laughs) Chevy (laughs) Chase, Goldie Hawn. Well, Goldie Hawn wasn't in the cast, but anyways.
3: Mm. Yeah, they they all got into movies uh, in that first cast, and... And like like we just listed, it was you know, Ackroyd certainly came out, you know, real japers doing movie after movie. And uh and here he is with King, Kim Baysinger. What do we know about her, DJ?
0: Well, Kim Basinger, uh she was new to the scene at the time this movie came out. Now just prior to this movie, she was in a film in nineteen eighty seven with Jeff Bridges called Nadine. And uh after this her film after was as in um, one of the Michael Keaton Batman films. She played love interest Vicki Vale, who I remember was a reporter. And uh, she was at one point featured as a Bond girl in 1983's Never Say Never Again. Hmm. She turned down Sleepless in Seattle, which ended up going to Meg Ryan instead. And most recently, she starred in Fifty Shades Darker in 2017. So the, uh, you know, the fetish film that's uh, spawned from a series of novels where uh, folks, uh, you know, get their freak flag on in the privacy of their own home. Yes, Fifty Shades Darker. And uh, but uh, aside from in films... Her Malibu home was destroyed by the catastrophic Woolsey fire just this last year in November. Hmm. She went to high school with a few notable folks, including Keith Strickland of the B-52s. So she went to school in Georgia. Uh, Let's see. Now, she's one of those celebrities that you don't see often unless she's working on a project because she has agoraphobia. Now, this could keep her in her house for up to six months at a time. And she eventually did receive therapy to combat it. Now, as a school kid, she suffered from crippling shyness that prevented her from reading aloud or answering questions in class. And uh, in later years, talk about adding to you know, your your troubles of being in public, this poor lady who was trapped in her house, you know, and uh, lost it to a fire. Well, she went under the knife. She had some surgery because she had some slip discs that had fused together. So no wonder she hasn't been in much for a while there. She's been in recuperation. She, she d- had damaged vertebrae in her lower back. And to top it off, on that laundry list of ailments here, this poor lady, this this beautiful, talented lady, she's allergic to sunlight, and it's a rare. She's rarely seen out and about during the day with either a hat or a parasol. So, there there are some celebrities. In fact, some may, uh, some say that in the later years of his life, Michael Jackson would have to go out with a dark uh, umbrella, a parasol to avoid direct sunlight contact because his skin was losing pigment.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Um, And uh, also Kim Basinger uh, also once engaged to Carrie Fisher. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Not true. Maybe Uh, maybe at one of Michael Keaton's parties. Yeah. (laughs) Now uh, I got to say the other important guy in this movie is John Lovitz. Yeah. Many seasons later, also a regular on Saturday Night Live. And he's had quite uh, uh, quite a few character bits in many movies. DJ, what
0: are some of those? Well, uh, one of his first films, he starred opposite Tom Hanks in the 1987 film Big. Now, this was done by Penny Marshall, one of her first films. And he was an office co-worker. He was kind of the... the um, well, the kind of naughty, uh, you know, provocative guy in the office pool there, who was always trying to give him dating advice, uh, he stayed. John Lovett stayed with Penny Marshall during the production of Big. And then afterwards, the next film he did after Big was called Mr. Dest, or I'm sorry, after My Stepmother's an Alien, his next film was Mr. Destiny in 1990 with Jim Belushi. Also had uh, Terminator star Linda Hamilton and Michael Kane. Wow. Yes. And uh, six years after My Stepmother's an Alien, he finally got his own show, but it was animated. Now, uh, he did a show called The Critic, not too much unlike what we're doing here tonight, uh, giving you a little insight about TV and movies. This show ran for two seasons. It had 33 episodes back in 94. It started on ABC, and then it moved to Fox. And for those of you who are not familiar with John Lovitz on Saturday Night Live, he was also seen on an NBC series with the late now, late... Phil Hartman called news radio from 97 to 99. He was on that show. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like him. And we, we almost uh, you, me
3: and Tommy in the chat room, almost had a chance to see him in person recently.
0: Yes. Oh, darn it. I was driving by on my way home from the candy shop and I saw a billboard that says John Lovitz. And I'm like, oh, that sounds so good. And then I go to look at the seats and I guess I was late to the party. (laughs) It was sold out. So let's talk about
3: the director, Richard Benjamin. He's kind of interesting because he's been around forever and he started out acting. And then got more into directing. But he uh, started out with some really uh, uh, significant roles in some early movies. Um, And let me just see if I can get some of them here. Uh, Before I get into that, the one thing I remember him was a TV series called Quark. It was a comedy sci-fi show that took place in space uh, on a ship. And I don't remember much about it. It lasted about six episodes. <laughs> and it was funny. And he starred in it. Uh, but
0: I, I, other than that, I honest to God don't remember much about it. Oh, it, it only lasted six episodes. I have to ask, was there puppetry involved?
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> no. I, I, I don't. I remember one blob thing uh, wobbling around the ship once. And I, I suppose that was probably some sort of puppet. <laughs> uh, but, um, let's see. He had some really early stardom in some movies that were significant of the time. And one was uh, Goodbye Columbus in 1969. It was a critical commercial hit. Uh, then Benjamin Played a key support role in the film Catch-22, 1970. He had top Billing in Diary of a Mad Housewife in 1970. And then it looks like uh, he did some off-Broadway stuff, and eventually he made it to Broadway. Um, And then uh, he was famously in Westworld, the original theatrical release, Westworld uh he was one of the main protagonists who were trying to escape the robot uh that were going crazy in a in a futuristic world um co- starring James Brolin and Yul brenner wow, yeah, so uh he had a whole lot of success. He went into directing and he came out with his first director. Uh, Debut in My Favorite Year Which was quite a hit And a, a critical favorite In the industry Oh, My Favorite Year Why can I not think of the Oh, Peter O'Toole starred in that Okay And then he did uh, He directed Racing with the Moon Then he directed City Heat That would have been about 1984, 1986 uh, or Also in 84 Was The Money Pit With Tom Hanks A little film called Little Nikita. Um, And then finally, uh, he did My Mother is uh, My Stepmother. My Stepmother is an Alien. Uh, He also did Downtown, Mermaids with Cher, Made in America, a movie called Milk Money, and uh, some others. But I would say my favorite year Racing with the Moon, Money Pit, My Stepmother is an Alien, Mermaids. Those would be as big, big
0: movies. You know, in the Star Sage household as a kid, I remember The Money Pit being a guilty favorite. And this was long before, of course, everyone's favorite rerun Christmas Vacation came out. But uh, I just remember the bathtub falling through the floor and the turkey just uh, launching itself out of the oven and landing in the other wing of the house. And that was just full of some fun belly laughs. Although, if I had to live through that experience, which I kind of sort of am, I bought a 50-year-old house, I think I would just sit on the floor and cry in a corner. (laughs) Yeah. Remember his co-star in the movie? I sure did. 80s uh, movie. Uh, I don't want to say the W word, but uh, fabulous gal, Shelley Long what's the w word uh w-h-o-r-e a lady of the night oh <laughs> they say oh. when you they say when you're in a lot of films in a year that you're a, a movie boop, boop. oh okay
1: well
3: she, she and, certainly was trying to get out of the umbrella of being a tv actress on cheers i wouldn't be surprised if she- well, who knows? I would think she would have regretted that probably to this day, Leaving Cheers. What do you think?
0: Um, I, You know, I, I've heard a, a number of different things. Um, I, I think that Leaving Cheers gave her an opportunity to be in several films. And um, I think I would have been sad if she had stayed because we got some pretty good fun Out of those years that she was off of that show. I mean, I I wouldn't, I'd be guessing, but I think Troop Beverly Hills is one of the movies that came out during that period. And Mm. that's absolutely one of my favorites. (laughs) Yeah, she
3: came out with a lot of movies, but really, eventually, she just, I mean, what's become of her, I don't know.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So um, let's see. Now, when this movie came out, it premiered in December of that year of 88. And uh, during the premiere party that was being held, the stars Dan Aykroyd, Kim Basiker, and John Lovitz were all present at a special screening that included President and Mrs. Bush, as well as Vice President Quayle and the Los Angeles City Mayor Tom Bradley. Uh, well, actually, Tom Bradley, the Los Angeles city mayor, declared December 9th, the, the date of the release, the premiere party, as Stepmother Day.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, that's a lot of ballet for a movie that lost tons of money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it cost a lot to make this movie,
0: and it was a box office failure (laughs) (laughs) the movie opened at number seven and uh, it grossed two million in the opening weekend it went on to gross 13 million in the u.s becoming a box office failure as you're saying it was number 70 for the year now rain man of course uh with um Oh, I'm forgetting his name. Dustin Hoffman was number one that year with 172 million at the box office. And the film that scored just below My Stepmother's an Alien was Stand and Deliver, which had Edward James Olmos and it brought in a paltry 13.9 million. But, you know, I'd I'd be happy for that much. Mm-hmm.
3: DJ uh, Marin Gertz in the chat room typed in Wagner. I want to ask. Maren to um tell us what what that's about there. Um also I just saw a note that we should we should not forget uh and
0: that's that Shelley Long was supposed to be
3: in this movie.
0: Oh that's right originally the uh, the lead yeah. role was going to be offered yeah. to Shelley Long she, we don't know why she didn't take it. Um, I couldn't
3: find any reason.
0: No, she,
3: yeah. she, must have rejected it for
0: some reason, right? And um, I, I could see how it would have been a very different film if she'd been in the role. You know, certainly if you were going to have a movie and you wanted somebody to play sort of a a smart teacher type, you might have Shelley Long in the role. But if you just kind of want, and this is where we're bringing things back around, folks. This is our 12th episode, and uh, six months ago, we started off the party with a tribute to my dad's favorite 60s film, Barbarella. Well, this also remains Kimbe Singer's only sci-fi-related film, and the movie starts off with sort of a tribute to Barbarella, if you will, because the alien who's as a, who's uh just running towards Earth is getting dressed on her spaceship, so she's putting on her stockings in zero gravity, right, and it's too much
3: of a coincidence to not be a tribute to barbarella and in addition to 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 that visual reference um to barbarella putting on her clothes. If I don't know if you noticed, DJ, but the special effects that were going on in the background Mm -hmm. were virtually the same used in *Barbarella*. They were kind of like little starbursts that indicated space, and it was the same. It was exactly the same kind of special effects that uh, *Barbarella* used, and also *Superman: The Movie* began with also those same sorts of starbursts in the credits when they were depicting space it's very hard to describe, but if you saw it, you'd know what I mean, but it was all inspired by barbarella why well, I wonder you know d j there's there really there's only a couple of other pop culture references in the movie mm-hmm. um why why do you suppose?
0: they made such a point of doing that little tribute to Barbarella. I would have to wonder if maybe it has something to do with the, the main character, Dan Aykroyd, Steve Mills, because, um, you know, he, he's a scientist. And of course, one could probably argue that if he was growing up, he probably read comic books and he liked science fiction, possibly. So, Barbarella might have been something that he would have liked, and of course, Kim Basinger is playing a very sex kitten-ish type of role in this yeah. part. So it's it's kind of um, what would you call it? Um, oh, uh, there's a term that's used by musicians when they play a song for their fans, and I'm trying to remember what that is. But it it's basically. A, a tribute to their fans. It's
1: intermission time, folks. Uh,
3: this means it's good, a uh, good time to go fill your glass and, uh, and we'll be back.
0: Hey there, guys and dolls, and all of you out there in listener land. We do, from time to time, occasionally receive listener mail. That is when Gertie remembers to bring it to us from the box office. Um, (laughs) This message came to us uh, about mid-February, around Valentine's Day. And it comes to us from uh, Thomas M. And he says, Hello, I am a new listener and I'm having a blast. Keep up the great work. Do you take suggestions? Um, <laughs> well, Thomas, as a matter of fact, you know that uh, gumball machine, well, it works a little like a magic eight ball if you catch my drift. If you make a face and stare at it just right, it's been known to listen to reason. So stay tuned. In a upcoming show, we will have a special listener request, and uh, you'll know when it's a listener request because Gertie will be blowing the audience a kiss. So stay tuned and thanks for writing, Thomas. Glad you're enjoying the show.
3: I want to say probably I mean, who knows, but I, I'm I'm gonna guess that Richard Benjamin was responsible for that. He just thought that it must have been important to him. That's all I can say, because there really aren't any other clever Tributes to the movie. I mean, that's it. That's the one.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's interesting that um, you know you're you're mentioning the opening sequence there, where you know you've got the this the space scene and you have the letters coming by. Just the year before, Star Trek had its first. Rebirth, it became a new TV series, Star Trek The Next Generation. And a lot of the effects that were in the opening of My Stepmother's an Alien resemble that. Mm-hmm. So uh, in fact, the outfit that's worn by Kim Basinger when she lands on Earth is an inspired uh, outfit. Now, I wasn't able to find information on the exact designer, but I did remember reading at one point that that was considered high fashion at the time. In fact, it you, may have even DJ. Mm-hmm? You're talking about the red dress. I am. It yeah, okay. it it may have debuted on the runway in either Paris or Milan, but it was a very characteristic dress. It had sort of a, a a wire form hoop in it, and she had a a fantastic hat that went along with it. Now, for those of you who are familiar with Star Trek: The Next Generation. That hat later went on, the design, it went on to be uh, worn, not the same one, but something of that style by the bartender in Star Trek Next Generation, Guinan, played by Whippy Goldberg. Oh, that's true. Huh. Um, DJ, can you
3: prepare to play clip eight? Sure. I'll go ahead and drag that now. Yeah. And that, what you're going to hear, folks, is the opening excitement as... Dan Aykroyd, his assistant and his brother, John Lovitz, are about to do their long-prepared-for, long-awaited experiment. And uh, he's been told by his boss that he can't do it because it costs too much, but he is throwing caution to the wind, risking his job. He's going to go through with it, and these are the exciting moments that uh, lead up to that. Okay
2: increase the power of the klystron using lightning, we may be able to get a signal strong enough to get out of the solar system. At least that's a theory, anyway.
1: Oh! Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, thanks. you. Tell me something I don't know. Oh, can't this wait? Secretaries are like animals when it comes to free food. The
2: reflectors line up for 10 days only once every 19 months! And now, with all this rain, we've got lightning! It's perfect! Perfect for men like us! Oh, Christ, Steve. When's the last time you went out with a woman? January of 86 no March of 86 I took dr Elizabeth Conway to see the Halley's Comet retrospective superb Did you see it
1: sure a couple of times how can we be brothers we don't
2: have a single gene in common not uh, 300 I don't know yeah, no, 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 I'm not <laughs> leaving it it's okay not a 300 thank 300 you million. have fun Frequencies. We'll
1: lower it below three centimeters. Flat. Hello? Below? Oh, hanging, hey, it's raining out here. I'm getting wet. Aw, oh, this jacket is a Ralph Lauren. And it's smelly. Oh, great. Just great. I'm wet and I'm smelly. They're going to jump all over me.
3: are you there toppy yeah dj i just want to interrupt Marin in the chat room and uh writing some things that i don't understand the um what he's what he or she is referring to wagner very sad william talmud talmud uh was the district attorney is that a character in this movie
0: i think she might be referring to the uh the world history in 1988 that i was talking about earlier Oh, okay. And then the
3: detective Paul Drakes was played by someone else. I don't know what that's in reference to.
0: Hmm. So that uh, was the uh, the beginning of their little experiment there that we just played. Right.
3: Very energetic opening. With a lot going on. A lot of visual things happening. So it really drew you in. Um, and then uh, I'm going to play the party scene. Clip nine, DJ. Okay, one sec here. Clip nine. And uh, it was soon followed up by this scene, which kind of introduces just how zany this alien woman is because she really doesn't understand anything about Earth or its customs.
0: Okay, clip nine, here we go.
1: Well, of course you'd say that.
2: And I think it's Pink Floyd, not Pink Fred, right, Jesse?
1: Pink Fred is their nickname. Would you hold this for me, please? Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Uh, People say we monkey around, but we're too busy singing to put anybody down. What? Do you know what they say? Nixon's the one.
2: Dick Nixon?
1: Okay. See you later, bro. Sailor, I like your cheek. You've broken my heart for the last time. Oh, oh, oh. You've broken my heart for the last time, too. Oh, oh. Do you have any spinach? My hands are freezing. I'm Papa the Sailor Man. I'm Papa the Sailor Man. I'm strong to the spinach, because I eat me spinach. I'm Papa the Sailor Man. Papa. This bird's for you. Tell me the composition of your radar
2: beam. Wacky, Graham, right? I'm
1: good. Yes. Yes. Hey!
2: I'm
1: I'm calling! This is a nightmare.
2: The research was all wrong. The food was all wrong. This dress is strange. And
1: what is this thing? This hat is too big. And everything I said was crazy. Now, just a second. Don't blame it all on me. I never told you they use spinach to keep their hands warm Daddy, who was that? I don't know
2: But I feel kind of sorry for her I don't think anybody liked her
1: Did you? Oh How are we ever going to get Dr. Steve To transmit a signal now He thinks I'm a lunatic Now just calm down You've got to go back in there you. Hi.
0: Hi.
2: Tough room.
1: Look, I'm really sorry how rude I was. No,
2: no, 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 no. You weren't rude. You were very entertaining. In fact, I thought you were a professional of some kind. Believe me, they'll be telling their grandchildren about it. Have you, by any chance, done any
1: interesting radar astronomy transmissions which may have penetrated other galaxies in the last few days?
2: Yes, I have.
1: Well, what happened?
2: Well, it's pretty complex.
1: Try me. Oh, that was that was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I mean, uh, a second most beautiful. A third dog.
2: System. I mean, I blew out every resistance backup in the place, including telemetry trackers. (laughs) Those boys from defense, they were so mad, because that's what they use for tracking missiles. I must be boring the pants off you.
1: No, they're still on. Good. And then what happened, Dr. Steve?
2: Well, I don't really know what happened. I mean, it must have been something I did in the lab, but... Maybe I forgot to take a note or dropped a setting or something.
1: Show me what you did. Show me in your mighty lab.
2: I can't. They fired me.
1: You know, I'm a little cold. Oh. No, would you mind very much if I just. No. Uh, just stuck my hands right in your pocket. Huh? Oh, oh, yes, that's better. <sighs> hmm.
2: So, Celeste, where are you from? Mm
1: <laughs> hmm. The Netherlands. Oh, Holland. No, the Netherlands. (sighs) Uh, For an astronomer, you have the most wonderful fibers.
2: And you got yourself a handful right now. (sighs) Hmm. I can't get back in that lab.
1: They're gonna kiss! Does he know how? Of course! I saw him do it once in 1993. (laughs)
0: five years before this film yeah dj i gotta ask you something
3: about what what we just heard and about some other scenes that involve the daughter uh she was watching what was happening out on the deck with this strange woman and her father and in the scene she's off camera cupping his balls in her hands and the daughter is watching all of and that's just one of the main several very strange, awkward things about this movie and the daughter and what she and how she's always
0: encouraging her father to have sex. It's just a little weird, I think, <laughs> especially since she's supposed to be a young teen. I mean, there's a moment in the film where she's talking to her father in the kitchen. And uh, she's trying to tell him that she's wearing a bra now. And, it, you know. Yes. <laughs> he, he's, you know, he's, the, the time is passing by and she he's not noticing her like a lot of fathers may be accused of. And but he gives her a once over
3: with his eye. Yes. Now, if. Oh, uh, DJ Marengertz is leaving us. Uh, so glad you could join us. Come back again anytime.
0: Thank you, Thanks for coming by. so if if I were now, this is where we have to give credit to uh, some of the the women of the modern age because, you know, children these days a lot of times they're um a little more with the lingo than you might think sometimes, especially since TVs are our babysitters. and, you know, who pays attention to ratings? I mean, uh, but uh, if if I were that lady at the party and I'm talking about the young girl in her early teens, I might have thought knowing what I do and having the kind of uncle that I do, or at least she does, I might have thought that my uncle had hired a call girl for my dad. Yeah, and uh, yeah, then
3: there's another scene, DJ, later on in the movie where <clears throat> Celeste is the name of, of the alien played by Basinger. Mm -hmm. And Celeste uses her powers to pin the daughter to the ceiling, which causes her a lot of distress. And yet it's also trying to play for laughs. And it's, again, just an awkward scene for me. It's almost like, I don't know, that that daughter is involved in a lot of awkwardness, I think, in in this movie.
0: Well, it's the scenes like that that... um you know kind of help you to understand how this could have been in an earlier version of the story more about the child abuse i think that maybe that in an earlier draft they might not have had the the mother the stepmother being an alien so you know it's just like everything else in the 80s let's put it in space well there's that certainly could be but i mean do you do you
3: agree? I guess I'm asking if you felt that as well about the daughter and and most of her scenes there like the way Dan Aykroyd is like looking her
0: up and down after he realizes she's wearing a bra.
3: It's just weird. There's a lot of weird things.
0: There are. And if you look at her friends that are at the party, I'm not sure they're supposed to be the same age or maybe we're supposed to take hints from the way her friends are dressed that if they are the same age group that they're trying to be much more adult than her because what she wears is is a little bit more plain you know it's it's maybe more befitting the daughter of a scientist or you know a librarian certainly not the girl that's going to go out and party yeah by the way TJ did you catch who one of the girlfriends is. There were actually two, uh, you know, uh, yes. Hollywood people. One of them, that,
3: I, I don't know who was, but mm-hmm. it's Juliet Lewis is the one I was.
0: Yes. And of course, later on, she went to star in the film I was talking about earlier with Chevy Chase. She was the daughter in Christmas Vacation. Ah, yeah. And I know her most from,
3: oh God, what was it? The thriller with... Uh, Nick Nolte and Jessica Lange. Oh. And it was a remake of a Gregory Peck movie.
0: Oh, well, can't remember the name. We'll find it for you in just a moment. But the other person who was at the party was uh, one of Uncle Ron's uh, playthings. Now, that's John Lovitz's character, Uncle Ron the Playboy. And this was actually an actress that was going to shortly be in Star Trek The Next Generation as a guest, uh, Susie Plaxon. She's also a singer. She entertains at many a sci-fi convention. Very talented lady. And she played... Uh, Commander Worf's love interest, KLR, so she was the mother of Worf's child in Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. And also,
1: <laughs>
3: this will be the last weird thing I say. <laughs> but John Lovett's character, at the end of the movie, he's like, oh, I have an opportunity to bone my brother's wife. Should I or shouldn't I? It's played for laughs. But the thing is, he decides he's going to do it.
0: Yeah, they, there were a few moments where they just decided to make his character sleazy and uh, I guess that was supposed to be, you know, something of the times. It's it's no wonder that we're facing the the um the consequences of our decisions nowadays if this was the kind of thing that was acceptable then.
3: I I, I don't know if it was acceptable, but it was in the movie, it was played for laughs and that along with some of the other things, I was just saying to myself, that's weird and uncomfortable, and <laughs> very strange. What uh, your general overall opinion, um, DJ of the movie?
0: Well, I found this to be a fun film. In fact, um, looking back on it, really, I have to wonder if there was some sort of hidden message that uh, possibly my dad. Was trying to convey, I mean, I there was no shortage of movies with nerds that were falling for beautiful girls in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, maybe he was trying to, to make sure his little boy turned out the right way, quote unquote. Um, yes, but, uh, you know, it, it's funny because when we talked about Barbarella, I mentioned how when that came on television in my household... Even though it was watered down for television audiences, I wasn't allowed to be in the room. Well, I distinctly remember seeing my stepmother as an alien with my father, but when the scene came where she undressed for the scientist, Dr. Mills, I had to leave the room now. It was interesting because in the way that uh, the house was set up, there was a hallway that ran alongside the living room. So you could be just around the corner and hear what was going on on the TV, just not see it. Oh, Now, wait a minute, DJ. I got to back up a minute. Uh-huh. So you're telling me that you
3: and your dad would be watching, in particular, specifically this movie. Mm-hmm. And he he said, well... I." I don't want you to see the scene.
0: Step out, son. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Weird. Well, again, you know, not saying it was right, but my mother did vote for Reagan. <laughs> uh, so,
3: I assume that that uh, that he sort of censored you on other movies as well, just this one.
0: Uh, probably, and sometimes it was uncomfortable, not terribly. But it it was weird watching a show in the late '80s and maybe the early '90s when gay characters were first being introduced on shows like Will and Grace. I could never have sat through and watched an episode with either of my parents. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, I'll just say so
3: you. So this is, you chose this, and this is another movie that I gather. Really beckons to you because of the nostalgia thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah. it's also an underdog story if you think about it. Because uh, Dan Aykroyd's character, he's a smart science type, and you don't always think of somebody who uh, you know is a is a brain as being the one who uh, scores the love of his life, and they end up being a looker. You know, you you usually think of this person as attracting a like type, somebody who is going to dress down, maybe wear glasses, certainly not being the one that everyone stares at at the party. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I saw it for the first time and I thought it was
3: cute. Um, (laughs) As I've already said, I also thought it was filled with all these weird moments that just made me go, huh? Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was one scene that made me laugh out loud. And that's when Kim Basinger is kissing Dan Aykroyd, and she's secretly watching what her magic bag is projecting onto the wall because she has no idea what sex is, and this intelligent entity in her bag is trying to help figure out what sex is by playing a lot of things, cultural things from TV and movies. And she's trying to imitate And in a quick succession. She does all these zany things. The scene went on for maybe a little too long, but it flat out made me laugh out loud.
0: Oh yes. Especially at the part where uh, she's mimicking the birds doing their mating dance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was very, very clever. I, I gotta appreciate. Uh, I
3: didn't expect her to be that good at comedy, and I thought she, I thought she did rather well. Hmm. Um. Dan Aykroyd, uh, he was the straight man in this movie, and for the life of me, can't figure that out. But in other words, I think I would have cast someone else.
0: Yeah, I'd be interested to find out. Who else might have been up for that part? But, uh, you know, uh, unless they were a big name, you often don't learn about it. Case in point, Shelley Long and being replaced with Kim Basinger. Right, right. Um, I'm going to play. Let's play
3: one last clip. Okay. And it's it's sort of a cute moment at the very end when Celeste and uh, the mad scientist guy, Dan Aykroyd, are trying to win over these powerful aliens from Celeste's planet uh, so that they don't destroy Earth. And they go through this little number that they saw, or that Celeste saw Jimmy Durante do in an old movie on television. And this is clip 10, DJ. Okay. Go ahead.
2: Jimmy Durante, from the man who came to dinner.
3: Oh, there's a lot of nice things in here.
1: up there, you omnipotent super beings from some other dimension or planet. <laughs> Hit it! Did you ever have the feeling that you wanted to go? Still have the feeling that you wanted to stay. You, you knew it was right,
2: wrong. Wasn't, wasn't wrong. wrong. Still, Still you knew you wouldn't, wouldn't be very
1: long. Ah! ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's tough to have the feeling that you wanted to go. Still have the feeling that you wanted to stay. Start to go,
2: change your mind. Start to go again, but change your mind again. It's tough to have the feeling that you wanted to go. Still have the feeling that you wanted to stay. Don't
1: rain me buy so much dough. I go, I stay. <laughs>
3: So that that was cute, especially um, because we get to see the original source material briefly in the movie, and then the uh, the movie ends oddly enough uh, with, with uh, John Levitz, who was uh, really kind of wanting to have sex with his brother's wife. He sort of redeems himself at the end, and a kind of a pretty funny moment. He decides he's going to go off uh, with the a- uh, and ride the alien spaceship
0: back to Celeste's planet.
3: <laughs> where? What? What do you think is going to
0: become of? Oh goodness! I can only imagine a direct-to-video sequel. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I guess the
3: idea was they, the omnipotent, powerful aliens wanted to learn life uh, because their society, their culture had cut out things like sex long ago. And Kim Basinger sort of discovered, Oh, I don't do that because it's kind of fun. She also enjoyed sneezing and uh and so I guess John Lovitz is gonna teach him about human life, I guess.
0: Yeah, it would kind of be like uh, having an opportunity to talk with a caveman. These folks are supposed to be highly evolved. And at one point, she mentions that we are where you will be in five centuries, I think is what she said. Mm-hmm. Well, we're pretty much winding up towards the end here. Uh, any final remarks
3: or any final Uh, bits of trivia you have? Sure.
0: Let me go ahead and dig out my little bag here. So 1988 was a very important year for technology. Apple Computer released its first Ethernet networking product. And uh, as part of a trade show uh, around then, it also started what later became America Online. So uh, 88 was the beginning of the year, that the internet was going to be right in your home. And uh, before we go ahead and hit up that gumball machine with our magicians coin their toppy, I have to ask you, uh, do you have a favorite moment in this movie? Me either, whether it's funny or if it's serious, take your pick. Well, <clears throat> um, I,
3: I think it would have to be the scene I already mentioned where she, she's kissing Ackroyd, and
0: she's just doing all these zany things. That's probably my favorite. Okay, so I'll uh, I'll do the the other end of that stick there. I'll do the the serious part. Uh, my favorite scene in the movie that actually made me tear up a little was after she's held the daughter hostage basically on the ceiling, and the dad has come home because he's under the impression the house is on fire. The girl runs into the street on her bike, and she's trying to run away. And then suddenly, a, uh, a car is passing through the neighborhood, and it's it's about to run into her. All of a sudden, Kimbe Singer's character, Celeste, grabs her handbag and uses her powers for good to save the daughter from being killed. And right in that instant, you see the good that's at her, her true center because the the girl comes over to her and she realizes she says you gave yourself up to save my life so that that was one of the most heartwarming scenes in the whole movie i think
3: um it was uh it was good it came towards the end it lent a little bit of heart to an otherwise comedic and rather frivolous movie
0: and it was well played
3: by the actress can
0: we find her
3: name I had it here.
0: Oh yes, it, yeah. the the actress that played the daughter actually went on to be in um, "How I Married Your Mother" with um, Neil Patrick Harris, and her name is Allison Hannigan.
3: Yeah, she did. She did that scene very believably. She was <clears throat> uh, very good in that.
0: And um, also, just curious, uh, I'm curious to know, would you think that the uh, voice of the handbag would have any special connection to anyone in the production? You know, I don't know. It was a great, I identified it. To me, it was a female voice. Was it a female voice to you? It was. Now, um, as it turns out, Anne Prentice, who did the voice of the handbag, was the sister in law of the director. <laughs> No kidding.
3: (laughs) Ah, that's funny. Well, it was good. I liked, I mean, at at the end, the damn bag sort of becomes evil, I think. Uh, Really tries to foil the whole situation.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, But most of the time, it's uh, used as a comedic device um, and a device uh, by which celeste learns about earth but what an odd i mean that weird eyeball that comes out on a stick that was a strange choice to me
0: yeah it, it uh reminds you of um some of the alien films that were made around then maybe that's what that's all about i don't know i just
3: thought of all ways all the ways they could have depicted whatever this thing is sort of advisor—that <laughs> was just weird
0: and kind of, uh, you know, it—it uh, it was gross. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you ready to pick our next topic, there, Mister Smelly? I think so. All right, let's.
3: Oh goodness! Well, folks, uh, mo- what I'm uh, do next? Is something that's available on Netflix right now. Uh, it's uh, from the CBC uh, overseas, and it comes to us as a five five seasons of a TV show called Ripper Street. Okay, it's a Victorian crime show with very interesting characters, plots that uh, go on. Uh, through the whole five seasons that are eventually resolved. It's quite quite good.
0: Okay, so we'll be watching the Victorian-era police drama Ripper Street. started on BBC in 2012. Later, it was continued on Amazon. So that'll be our next episode. And won't you join us when we come back together here at the beautiful Marionette Theater, the Historical Marionette Theater. Now, we do this show twice a month. So, unlike usual, our next episode is actually going to be more than a couple of weeks away. So, mark your calendars for Friday, April 5th. And that will be our next episode. Excellent. So, say good night, Gracie. All right. Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to A Minutia. Our program is live every other Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Go to UnivazPods.net. Click the tower for streaming audio. Enter Discord for our chat room. You can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Join our Facebook group or visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a future show or just want to message us? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice.
1: Unique voices in podcasting.
0: univazpods.net Okay, I am closing the stream.